1: Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Stories for the Road. This is your host, John Hagedorn. And today, chapters 15 and 16, from The Return of Tarzan. And now, chapter 15, From Ape to Savage. The noise of their battle with Numa had drawn an excited horde of savages from the nearby village. And just a moment after the lion's death, the two men were surrounded by lithe, ebony warriors, gesticulating and jabbering. "'A thousand questions that drowned each ventured reply. "'And then the women came, and the children, eager, curious, "'and, at the sight of Tarzan, more questioning than ever. "'The ape-man's new friend finally succeeded in making himself heard, "'and when he had done talking, the men and women of the village "'vied with one another in doing honour to this strange creature "'who had saved their fellow and battled single-handedly with fierce Numa. "'At last they led him back to their village,' where they brought him gifts of fowl, and goats, and cooked food. When he pointed to their weapons, the warriors hastened to fetch spear, shield, arrows, and a bow. His friend of the encounter presented him with the knife with which he had killed Numa. There was nothing in all the village he could not have had for the asking. How much easier this was, thought Tarzan, than murder and robbery to supply his wants! How close he had been to killing this man whom he had never seen before! and who now was manifesting by every primitive means at his command friendship and affection for his would-be slayer. Tarzan of the Apes was ashamed. Hereafter he would at least wait until he knew men deserved it before he thought of killing them. The idea recalled Rokoff to his mind. He wished that he might have the Russian to himself in the dark jungle for just a few minutes. There was a man who deserved killing if ever anyone did. And if he could have seen Rokoff at that moment... "'as he assiduously bent every endeavor to the pleasant task of ingratiating himself "'into the affections of the beautiful Miss Strong, "'he would have longed more than ever to mete out to the man the fate he deserved. "'Tarzan's first night with the savages was devoted to a wild orgy in his honor. "'There was feasting, for the hunters had brought in an antelope, "'and a zebra as trophies of their skill, "'and gallons of the weak native beer were consumed. "'As the warriors danced in the firelight,' Tarzan was again impressed by the symmetry of their figures and the regularity of their features. The flat noses and thick lips of the typical West Coast savage were entirely missing. In repose, the faces of the men were intelligent and dignified, those of the women oft-times prepossessing. It was during this dance that the ape-man first noticed that some of the men and many of the women wore ornaments of gold, principally anklets and armlets of great weight, apparently beaten out of the solid metal. When he expressed a wish to examine one of these, the owner removed it from her person and insisted, through the medium of signs, that Tarzan accepted it as a gift. A close scrutiny of the bauble convinced the ape-man that the article was of virgin gold, and he was surprised, for it was the first time that he had ever seen golden ornaments among the savages of Africa, other than trifling baubles those near the coast had purchased or stolen from Europeans. He tried to ask him from whence the metal came, but he could not make them understand. When the dance was done, Tarzan signified his intention to leave them, but they almost implored him to accept the hospitality of a great hut which the chief set apart for his sole use. He tried to explain that he would return in the morning, but they could not understand. When he finally walked away from them toward the side of the village opposite the gate, they were still further mystified as to his intentions. Tarzan, however, knew just what he was about. In the past, he had had experience with the rodents and vermin that infest every native village, and while he was not over-scrupulous about such matters, he much preferred the fresh air of the swaying trees to the fetid atmosphere of a hut. The natives followed him to where a great tree overhung the palisade, and as Tarzan leaped for a lower branch, and disappeared into the foliage above, precisely after the manner of Manu, the monkey, there were loud exclamations of surprise and astonishment. For half an hour they called to him to return, but as he did not answer them, they at last desisted, "'and sought the sleeping mats within their huts. "'Tarzan went back into the forest a short distance "'until he had found a tree suited to his primitive requirements, "'and then, curling himself in a great crotch, "'he fell immediately into a deep sleep. "'The following morning he dropped into the village street "'as suddenly as he had disappeared the preceding night. "'For a moment the natives were startled and afraid, "'but when they recognized their guest of the night before "'they welcomed him with shouts and laughter.' That day he accompanied a party of warriors to the nearby plains on a great hunt, and so dexterous did they find this white man with their own crude weapons that another bond of respect and admiration was thereby wrought. For weeks Tarzan lived with his savage friends, hunting buffalo, antelope, and zebra for meat, and elephant for ivory. Quickly he learned their simple speech, their native customs, and the ethics of their wild, primitive tribal life. He found that they were not cannibals, "'that they looked with loathing and contempt "'upon men who ate men. "'Busuli, the warrior whom he had stalked to the village, "'told him many of the tribal legends. "'How many years before his people had come "'many long marches from the north, "'how once they had been a great and powerful tribe, "'and how the slave raiders had wrought such havoc "'among them with their death-dealing guns "'that they had been reduced to a mere remnant "'of their former numbers and power. "'They hunted us down as one hunts a fierce beast,' "'said Busuli.' there was no mercy in them. When it was not slaves they sought, it was ivory, but usually it was both. Our men were killed, and our women driven away like sheep. We fought against them for many years, but our arrows and spears could not prevail against the sticks which spit fire and lead, and death, to many times the distance that our mightiest warrior could place an arrow. At last, when my father was a young man, the Arabs came again, but our warriors saw them a long way off, and Chowambi, who was chief then, Told his people to gather up their belongings and come away with him, that he would lead them far to the south until they found a spot to which the Arab raiders did not come. And they did as he bid, carrying all their belongings, including many tusks of ivory. For months they wandered, suffering untold hardships and privations, for much of the way was through dense jungle and across mighty mountains. But finally they came to this spot, and although they sent parties further on to search for an even better location, "'None has ever been found.' "'And the raiders have never found you here?' asked Tarzan. "'About a year ago a small party of Arabs and Moyuma stumbled upon us, "'but we drove them off, killing many. "'For days we followed them, stalking them for the wild beasts they are, "'picking them off one by one, until but a handful remained, but those escaped us.' "'As Busuli talked, he fingered a heavy gold armlet "'that encircled the glossy hide of his left arm.' "'Tarzan's eyes had been upon the ornament, but his thoughts were elsewhere. "'Presently he recalled the question he had tried to ask when he first came to the tribe, "'the question he could not at that time make them understand. "'For weeks he had forgotten so trivial a thing as gold, "'for he had been for the time a truly primeval man with no thought beyond today. "'But of a sudden the sight of gold awakened the sleeping civilization that was in him, "'and with it came the lust for wealth.' That lesson Tarzan had learned well in his brief experience in the ways of civilized man. He knew that gold meant power and pleasure. He pointed to the bauble. "'From whence came the yellow metal, Bushuli? he asked. The black pointed toward the southeast. "'A moon's march away. Maybe more,' he replied. "'Have you been there?' asked Tarzan. "'No, but some of our people were there years ago, when my father was yet a young man.' "'One of the parties that searched further for a location for the tribe "'when first they settled here "'came upon a strange people who wore many ornaments of yellow metal. "'Their spears were tipped with it, as were their arrows, "'and they cooked in vessels made all of solid metal like my armlet. "'They lived in a great village, "'in huts that were built of stone and surrounded by a great wall. "'They were very fierce, rushing out and falling upon our warriors "'before ever they learned that their errand was a peaceful one. "'Our men were few in number.' but they held their own at the top of a little rocky hill, until the fierce people went back at sunset into their wicked city. Then our warriors came down from their hill, and after taking many ornaments of yellow metal from the bodies of those they had slain, they marched back out of the valley, nor have any of us ever returned. They are wicked people, neither white like you nor black like me, but covered with hair, as is Bolgani, the gorilla. Yes, they are very bad people indeed, "'and Chowambi was glad to get out of their country. "'And are none of those alive who were with Chowambi "'and saw these strange people and their wonderful city?' asked Tarzan. "'Waziri, our chief, was there,' replied Basuli. "'He was a very young man then, but he accompanied Chowambi, who was his father. "'So that night Tarzan asked Waziri about it, "'and Waziri, who was now an old man, said that it was a long march, "'but that the way was not difficult to follow. "'He remembered it well.' FOR TEN DAYS WE FOLLOWED THIS RIVER WHICH RUNS BESIDE OUR VILLAGE. UP TOWARD ITS SOURCE WE TRAVELED UNTIL ON THE TENTH DAY WE CAME TO A LITTLE SPRING FAR UP UPON THE SIDE OF A LOFTY MOUNTAIN RANGE. IN THIS LITTLE SPRING OUR RIVER IS BORN. THE NEXT DAY WE CROSSED OVER THE TOP OF THE MOUNTAIN, AND UPON THE OTHER SIDE WE CAME TO A TINY RIVULET WHICH WE FOLLOWED DOWN INTO A GREAT FOREST. FOR MANY DAYS WE TRAVELED ALONG THE WINDING BANKS OF THE RIVULET THAT HAD NOW BECOME A RIVER, UNTIL WE CAME TO A GREATER RIVER. "'into which it emptied, "'and which ran down the centre of a mighty valley. "'Then we followed this large river toward its source, "'hoping to come to a more open land. "'After twenty days of marching from the time "'we had crossed the mountains and passed out of our own country, "'we came again to another range of mountains. "'Up their side we followed the great river "'that had now dwindled to a tiny rivulet, "'until we came to a little cave near the mountaintop. "'In this cave was the mother of the river.' I remember that we camped there that night, and thought it was very cold, for the mountains were high. The next day we decided to ascend to the top of the mountains and see what the country upon the other side looked like, and if it seemed no better than which we had had so far traversed, we would return to our village and tell them that they had already found the best place in all the world to live. And so we clambered up the face of the rocky cliffs until we reached the summit, and there, from a flat mountain top, we saw, not far beneath us, a shallow valley. "'very narrow, and upon the far side of it was a great village of stone, "'much of which had fallen and crumbled into decay. "'The balance of Waziri's story was practically the same as which Basuli had told. "'I should like to go there and see this strange city,' said Tarzan, "'and get some of the yellow metal from its fierce inhabitants. "'It is a long march,' replied Waziri, "'and I am an old man. "'But if you will wait until the rainy season is over and the rivers have gone down,' I WILL TAKE SOME OF MY WARRIORS AND GO WITH YOU. AND TARZAN HAD TO BE CONTENTED WITH THAT ARRANGEMENT, THOUGH HE WOULD HAVE LIKED IT WELL ENOUGH TO HAVE SET OFF THE NEXT MORNING. HE WAS IMPATIENT AS A CHILD. REALLY, TARZAN OF THE APES WAS BUT A CHILD, OR A PRIMEVAL MAN, WHICH IS THE SAME THING IN A WAY. THE NEXT DAY BUT ONE A SMALL PARTY OF HUNTERS RETURNED TO THE VILLAGE FROM THE SOUTH TO REPORT A LARGE herd OF ELEPHANTS SOME MILES AWAY. By climbing trees they had had a fairly good view of the herd, which they described as membering several large tuskers, a great many cows and calves, and full-grown bulls whose ivory would be worth having. The balance of the day and evening was filled with preparation for a great hunt. Spears were overhauled, quivers were replenished, bows were re and all the while the village witch-doctor passed through the busy throngs disposing of various charms and amulets designed to protect the possessor from hurt. "'or bring him good fortune in the morrow's hunt. "'At dawn the hunters were off. "'There were fifty sleek black warriors, "'and in their midst, lithe and active as a young forest god, "'strode Tarzan of the apes, "'his brown skin contrasting oddly with the ebony of his companions. "'Except for color, he was one of them. "'His ornaments and weapons were the same as theirs. "'He spoke their language. "'He laughed and joked with them, and leaped and shouted in the brief wild dance that preceded their departure from the village. To all intent and purpose, a savage among savages. Nor had he questioned himself. Is it to be doubted that he would have admitted that he was far more closely allied to these people and their life than to the Parisian friends whose ways, ape-like, he had successfully mimicked for a few short months? But he did think of Darnot, "'and a grin of amusement showed his strong white teeth "'as he pictured the immaculate Frenchman's expression. "'Could he by some means see Tarzan as he was that minute? "'Poor Paul, who had prided himself "'on having eradicated from his friend "'the last traces of wild savagery. "'How quickly have I fallen,' thought Tarzan. "'But in his heart he did not consider it a fall. "'Rather, he pitied the poor creatures of Paris, "'penned up like prisoners in their silly clothes, "'and watched by policemen all their poor lives.' that they might do nothing that was not entirely artificial and tiresome. A two-hour's march brought them close to the vicinity in which the elephants had been seen the previous day. From there on they moved very quietly indeed, searching for the spoor of the great beasts. At length they found the well-marked trail along which the herd had passed not many hours before. In single file they followed it for about a half an hour. It was Tarzan who first raised his hand and signaled that the quarry was at hand. His sensitive nose had warned him that the elephants were not far ahead of them. The natives were skeptical when he told them how he knew. "'Come with me,' said Tarzan, "'and we shall see.' With the agility of a squirrel he sprang into a tree and ran nimbly to the top. One of the natives followed more slowly and carefully. When he had reached a lofty limb beside the ape-man, the latter pointed to the south, and there, some few hundred yards away, His friend saw a number of huge black backs swaying back and forth above the top of the lofty jungle grasses. He pointed the direction to the watchers below, indicating with his fingers the number of beasts he could count. Immediately the hunter started toward the elephants. The man in the tree hastened down, but Tarzan stalked, after his own fashion, along the leafy way of the middle terrace. It was no child's play to hunt the wild elephants with the crude weapons of primitive man. Tarzan knew that few native tribes even attempted it, and the fact that his tribe did so gave him no little pride. Already he was commencing to think of himself as a member of the little community. As Tarzan moved silently through the trees, he saw the warriors below creeping in a half-circle upon the still unsuspecting elephants. Finally they were within sight of the great beasts. Now they singled out two large tuskers, and at a signal the fifty men rose from the ground where they had lain concealed, "'and hurled their heavy war spears at the two marked beasts. "'There was not a single miss. twenty-five spears were embedded in the sides "'of each of the giant animals. "'One never moved from the spot where it stood "'when the avalanche of spears struck it, "'for two, perfectly aimed, had penetrated its heart, "'and had lunged forward upon its knees, "'rolling to the ground without a struggle. "'The other, standing nearly head-on toward the hunters, "'had not proved so good a mark, "'and though every spear struck, "'not one entered the great heart. "'For a moment the huge bull stood trumpeting in rage and pain, "'casting about with its little eyes for the author of its hurt. "'The natives had faded into the jungle "'before the weak eyes of the monster had fallen upon any of them, "'but now he caught the sound of their retreat, "'and amid a terrific crashing of underbrush and branches, "'he charged in the direction of the noise. "'It so happened that the charge sent him in the direction of Busuli, "'whom he was overtaking so rapidly "'that it was as though the black were standing still "'instead of racing at full speed "'to escape the certain death which pursued him. "'Tarzan had witnessed the entire performance "'from the branches of a nearby tree, "'and now that he saw his friend's peril, "'he raced toward the infuriated beast with loud cries, "'hoping to distract him. "'But it had been as well had he saved his breath, "'for the brute was deaf and blind to all else "'save the particular object of his rage "'that raced futilely before him. "'And now Tarzan saw that only a miracle "'could save Busuli.' And with the same unconcern with which he had once hunted this very man, he hurled himself into the path of the elephant to save the black warrior's life. He still grasped his spear, and while Tantor was yet six or eight paces behind his prey, a sinewy white warrior dropped as from the heavens, almost directly in his path. With a vicious lunge, the elephant swerved to the right to dispose of this temerarious foeman who dared intervene between himself and his intended victim but he had not reckoned on the lightning quickness that could galvanize those steel muscles into action so marvelously swift as to baffle even a keener eyesight than Tantor's. And so it happened that before the elephant realized that his new enemy had leaped from his path, Tarzan had driven his iron-shod spear from behind the massive shoulder straight into the fierce heart, and the colossal pachyderm had toppled to his death at the feet of the ape-man. Busuli had not beheld the manner of his deliverance, but Waziri, the old chief, had seen, and several of the other warriors, and they hailed Tarzan with delight as they swarmed about him and his great kill. When he leaped upon the mighty carcass, and gave voice to the weird challenge from which he announced the great victory, the blacks shrunk back in fear, for to them it marked the brutal Bolgani, who they feared fully as much as they feared Numa the lion, but with a fear with which was mixed a certain uncanny awe of the manlike thing to which they attributed supernatural powers but when Tarzan lowered his raised head and smiled upon them, they were reassured, though they did not understand. Nor did they ever fully understand this strange creature who ran through the trees as quickly as Manu, yet was even more at home upon the ground than themselves, who was except as to color like unto themselves, yet as powerful as ten of them, and single-handed a match for the fiercest denizens of the fierce jungle. When the remainder of the warriors had gathered, The hunt was again taken up, and the stalking of the retreating herd once more began. But they had covered a bare hundred yards when from behind them, at a great distance, sounded faintly a strange popping. For an instant they stood like a group of statuary, intently listening. Then Tarzan spoke. "'Guns,' he said. "'The village is being attacked.' "'Come,' cried Waziri. "'The Arab raiders have returned with their cannibal slaves for our ivory and our women. "'We'll return to Chapter 16.'
0: High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at
1: virtual.com slash podcast. And now, Chapter 16, The Ivory Raiders. Waziri's warriors marched at a rapid trot through the jungle in the direction of the village. For a few minutes, the sharp cracking of guns ahead warned them to haste, but finally the reports dwindled to an occasional shot, presently seizing altogether. Nor was this less ominous than the rattle of musketry. Where it suggested, but a single solution to the little band of rescuers, that the poorly garrisoned village had already succumbed to the onslaught of a superior force. The returning hunters had covered a little more than three miles of the five that separated them from the village when they met the first of the fugitives who had escaped the bullets and clutches of the foe. There were a dozen women, youths, and girls in the party, and so excited were they that they could scarce make themselves understood as they tried to relate to Waziri the calamity that had befallen his people. They are as many as leaves of the forest, cried one of the women, in attempting to explain the enemy's force. There are many Arabs and countless Yuma, and they all have guns. They crept close to the village before we knew that they were about, and then, with many shouts, they rushed in upon us, shooting down men and women and children. Those of us who could fled in all directions into the jungle, but more were killed. I do not know whether they took any prisoners or not. They seemed only bent upon killing us all. The man called us many names, saying that they would eat us all before they left our country, that this was our punishment for killing their friends last year. I did not hear much, for I ran away very quickly. The march toward the village was now resumed, more slowly and with greater stealth, for Raziri knew that it was too late to rescue. Their only mission could be one of revenge. Inside the next mile, a hundred more fugitives were met. There were many men among these, "'and so the fighting strength of the party was augmented. "'Now a dozen warriors were sent creeping ahead to reconnoitre. "'Waziri remained with the main body, "'which advanced in a thin line "'that spread in a great crescent through the forest. "'By the chief's side walked Tarzan. "'Presently one of the scouts returned. "'He had come within sight of the village. "'They are all within the palisade,' he whispered. "'Good,' said Waziri. "'We shall rush in upon them and slay them all. "'Good!' "'said Waziri. "'We shall rush in upon them and slay them all.' "'And he made ready to send word along the line "'that they were to halt at the edge of the clearing "'until they saw him rush toward the village. "'Then all were to follow. "'Wait,' cautioned Tarzan. "'If there are even fifty guns within the palisade, "'we shall be repulsed and slaughtered. "'Let me go alone through the trees, "'so that I may look down upon them from above, "'and see just how many there be, "'and what chance we might have if we were to charge.' "'It were foolish to lose a single man needlessly "'if there be no hope of success. "'I have an idea that we can accomplish more by cunning than by force. "'Will you wait, Waziri?' "'Yes,' said the old chief. "'Go.' "'So Tarzan sprang into the trees "'and disappeared in the direction of the village. "'He moved more cautiously than was his font, "'for he knew that men with guns could reach him "'quite as easily in the treetops as on the ground. "'And when Tarzan of the apes elected to adopt stealth, no creature in all the jungle could move so silently or so completely efface himself from the sight of an enemy. In five minutes he had wormed his way to the great tree that overhung the palisade at one end of the village, and from his point of vantage looked down upon the savage horde beneath. He counted fifty Arabs, and estimated that there were five times as many Yuma. The latter were gorging themselves upon food, and under the very noses of their white masters, preparing the gruesome feast "'which is the piece de resistance that follows a victory "'in which the bodies of their slain enemies fall into their horrid hands. "'The ape-man saw that to charge the wild horde, armed as they were with guns, "'and barricaded behind the locked gates of the village, would be a futile task, "'and so he returned to Waziri and advised him to wait, that he, Tarzan, had a better plan. "'But a moment before one of the fugitives had related to Waziri "'the story of the atrocious murder of the old chief's wife,' AND SO CRAZED WITH RAGE WAS THE OLD MAN THAT HE CAST DISCRETION TO THE WINDS. FOLLOWING HIS WARRIORS ABOUT HIM, HE COMMANDED THEM TO CHARGE, AND WITH BRANDISHING SPEARS AND SAVAGE YELLS, THE LITTLE FORCE OF SCARCELY MORE THAN A HUNDRED DASHED MADLY TOWARD THE VILLAGE GATES. BEFORE THE CLEARING HAD BEEN HALF CROSSED, THE ARABS OPENED UP WITH WITHERING FIRE FROM BEHIND THE PALISADE. WITH THE FIRST VOLLEY Waziri FELL. THE SPEED OF THE CHARGERS SLACKENED. ANOTHER VOLLEY BROUGHT DOWN A HALF DOZEN MORE. A few reached the barred gates, only to be shot in their tracks, without a ghost of a chance to gain the inside of the palisade. And then the whole attack crumpled, and the remaining warriors scampered back into the forest. As they ran, the raiders opened the gates, rushing after them, to complete the day's work with the utter extermination of the tribe. Tarzan had been among the last to turn back toward the forest, and now, as he ran slowly, he turned from time to time to speed a well-timed arrow into the body of a pursuer. Once within the jungle, he found a little knot of determined blacks waiting to give battle to the oncoming horde, but Tarzan cried to them to scatter, keeping out of harm's way until they could gather in force after dark. "'Do as I tell you,' he urged, and I will lead you to victory over these enemies of yours. Scatter through the forest now, picking up as many stragglers as you can find, and at night, if you think that you've been followed, come by roundabout ways to the spot where we killed the elephants today. "'Then I will explain my plan.' and you will find that it is good. You cannot hope to pit your strength and simple weapons against the numbers and guns of the Arabs and the Maniyuma. They finally agreed. When you scatter, explained Tarzan, in conclusion, your foes will have to scatter to follow you, and so it may happen that if you are watchful you can drop many a Yuma with your arrows from behind some great trees. They had barely time to hasten away further into the forest before the first of the raiders had crossed the clearing and entered it in pursuit of them. Tarzan ran a short distance along the ground before he took to the trees. Then he raced quickly to the upper terrace, there doubling on his tracks and making his way rapidly back toward the village. Here he found that every Arab and Manayuma had joined in the pursuit, leaving the village deserted except for the chained prisoners and a single guard. The sentry stood at the open gate, looking in the direction of the forest, so that he did not see the agile giant that dropped to the ground at the far end of the village street. With drawn bow, the ape-man crept stealthily toward his unsuspecting victim. The prisoners had already discovered him, and with wide eyes filled with wonder and with hope, they watched their would-be rescuer. Now he halted not ten paces from the unconscious Manta The shaft was drawn back its full length at the height of the keen gray eye that sighted along its polished surface. There was a sudden twang as the brown fingers released their hold, and without a sound the raider sank forward upon his face, a wooden shaft transfixing his heart, "'and protruding a foot from his black chest. "'Then Tarzan turned his attention "'to the fifty women and youths "'chained neck to neck to the long slave chain. "'There was no releasing of the ancient padlock "'in the time that was left him, "'so the Aban called to them to follow him as they were, "'and, snatching the gun and cartridge belt "'from the dead sentry, "'he led the now happy band out to the village gate "'and into the forest upon the far side of the clearing. "'It was a slow and arduous march, "'for the slave chain was new to these people.' and there were many delays as one of their number would stumble and fall, dragging others down with her. Then, too, Tarzan had been forced to make a wide detour to avoid any possibility of meeting with returning raiders. He was partially guided by occasional shots, which indicated that the Arab horde was still in touch with the villagers, but he knew that if they would follow his advice, there would be but few casualties other than on the side of the marauders. Toward dusk the firing ceased entirely, and Tarzan knew that the Arabs had all returned to the village. He could scarce repress a smile of triumph as he thought of their rage on discovering that their guard had been killed and their prisoners taken away. Tarzan had wished that he might have taken some of the great store of ivory the village contained, solely for the purpose of still further augmenting the wrath of his enemies. But he knew that that was not necessary for its salvation, since he already had a plan mapped out which would effectually prevent the Arabs leaving the country with a single tusk. And it would have been cruel to have needlessly burdened these poor, "'overwrought women with the extra weight of the heavy ivory. "'It was after midnight when Tarzan, with his slow-moving caravan, "'approached the spot where the elephants lay. "'Long before they reached it they had been guided by the huge fire "'that the natives had built in the centre of a hastily improvised boma, "'partially for warmth and partially to keep off chance lions. "'When they had come close to the encampment, "'Tarzan called aloud to let them know that friends were coming. "'It was a joyous reception the little party received,' when the natives within the boma saw the long file of fettered friends and relatives enter the firelight. These had all been given up as lost forever, as had Tarzan as well, so that the happy natives would have remained awake all night to feast on elephant meat and celebrate the return of their fellows, had not Tarzan insisted that they take what sleep they could against the work of the coming day. At that, sleep was no easy matter, for the women who had lost their men or their children in the day's massacre and battle "'made night hideous with their continued wailing and howling. "'Finally, however, Tarzan succeeded in silencing them, "'on the plea that their noise would attract the Arabs to their hiding-place, "'when all of them would be slaughtered. "'When dawn came, Tarzan explained his plan of battle to the warriors, "'and without demur, one and all agreed that it was the safest and surest way "'in which to rid themselves of their unwelcome visitors "'and be revenged for the murder of their fellows.' First, the women and children, with a guard of some twenty old warriors and youths, were started southward, to be entirely out of the zone of danger. They had instructions to erect temporary shelter and construct a protecting boma of thornbush, for the plan of campaign which Tarzan had chosen was one which might stretch out over many days, or even weeks, during which time the warriors would not return to the new camp. Two hours after daylight, a thin circle of black warriors surrounded the village. At intervals one was perched high in the branches of a tree which could overlook the palisade. Presently a Mayanuma within the village fell, pierced by a single arrow. There had been no sound of attack, none of the hideous war cries or vainglorious waving of menacing spears that ordinarily marks the attack of savages, just a silent messenger of death from out of the silent forest. The Arabs and their followers were thrown into a fine rage at at this unprecedented occurrence. They ran for the gates to wreak dire vengeance upon the foolhardy perpetrator of the outrage, but they suddenly realized that they did not know which way to turn to find the foe. As they stood debating with many angry shouts and much gesticulating, one of the Arabs sank silently to the ground in their very midst, a thin arrow protruding from his heart. Tarzan had placed the finest marchmen of the tribe in the surrounding trees, with directions never to reveal themselves while the enemy was faced in their direction. As one native released his messenger of death, he would slink behind the sheltering stem of the tree he had selected, nor would he again aim until a watchful eye told him that none was looking toward his tree. Three times the Arabs started across the clearing in the direction from which they thought the arrows came, but each time another arrow would come from behind to take his toll from among their number. Then they would turn and charge in a new direction. Finally they set out upon a determined search of the forest, but the natives melted before them, so that they saw no sign of the enemy. But above them lurked a grim figure in the dense foliage of the mighty trees. It was Tarzan of the apes, hovering over them as if he had been the shadow of death. Presently a Mayanuma forged ahead of his companions. There was none to see from what direction death came, and if so it came quickly, and a moment later those behind stumbled over the dead body of their comrade, the inevitable arrow piercing the still heart. It does not take a great deal of this manner of warfare to get upon the nerves of white men, and so it is little to be wondered at that the Mayanuma were soon panic-stricken. Did one forge ahead? An arrow found his heart. Did one lag behind? He never again was seen alive. Did one stumble to the side, even for a bare moment from the side of his fellows? He did not return. And always when they came upon the bodies of their dead, they found these terrible arrows driven with the accuracy of superhuman power straight to the victim's heart. But worse than all was the hideous fact that not once during the morning had they seen or heard the slightest sign of an enemy other than pitiless arrows. When finally they returned to the village, it was no better. Every now and then, at varying intervals that were maddening the terrible suspense they caused, a man would plunge forward dead. The blacks besought their masters to leave this terrible place, but the Arabs feared to take up the march through the grim and hostile forest beset by this new and terrible enemy— while laden with the great store of ivory they had found within the village. But worse yet, they hated to leave the ivory behind. Finally the entire expedition took refuge within the thatched huts. Here, at least, they would be free from the arrows. Tarzan, from the tree above the village, had marked the hut into which the chief Arabs had gone, and, balancing himself upon an overhanging limb, he drove his heavy spear with all the force of his giant muscles through the thatched roof, a howl of pain told him that it had found its mark. With this parting salute to convince them that there was no safety for them anywhere within the country, Tarzan returned to the forest, collected his warriors, and withdrew a mile to the south to rest and eat. He kept sentries in several trees that commanded a view of the trail toward the village, but there was no pursuit. An inspection of his force showed not a single casualty, not even a minor wound. "'while rough estimates of the enemy's loss convinced the blacks "'that no fewer than twenty had fallen before their arrows. "'They were wild with elation, "'and were for finishing the day in one glorious rush upon the village, "'during which they would slaughter the last of their foemen. "'They were even picturing the various tortures they would inflict "'and gloating over the suffering of the Matayuma, "'for whom they entertained a particular hatred "'when Tarzan put his foot down flatly on that plan. "'You are crazy!' he cried. "'I have shown you the only way to fight these people. "'Already you have killed twenty of them "'without loss of a single warrior. "'Whereas yesterday, following your own tactics, "'which you would now renew, "'you lost at least a dozen "'and killed not a single Arab or Manahuma. "'You will fight just as I tell you to fight, "'or I shall leave you and go back to my own country.' "'They were frightened when he threatened this "'and promised to obey him scrupulously "'if he would but promise not to desert them. "'Very well,' he said. "'we shall return to the elephant boma for the night. "'I have a plan to give the Arabs a little taste "'of what they may expect if they remain in our country, "'but I shall need no help. "'Come, if they suffer no more for the balance of the day "'they will feel reassured, "'and the relapse into fear will be even more nerve-wracking "'than as though we continued to frighten them all afternoon.' "'So they marched back to their camp of the previous night, "'and, lighting great fires, "'ate and recounted the adventures of the day "'until long after dark.' Tarzan slept until midnight. Then he arose and crept into the cimmerian blackness of the forest. An hour later, he came to the edge of the clearing before the village. There was a campfire burning within the palisade. The ape man crept across the clearing until he stood before the barred gates. Through the interstices, he saw a lone sentry sitting before the fire. Quietly, Tarzan went to the tree at the end of the village street. He climbed softly to his place. "'and fitted an arrow to his bow. "'For several minutes he tried to sight fairly upon the sentry, "'but the waving branches and flickering firelight "'convinced him that the danger of a miss was too great. "'He must touch the heart full in the centre "'to bring the quiet and sudden death his plan required. "'He had brought besides his bow, arrows, and rope "'the gun he had taken the previous day "'from the other sentry he had killed. "'Catching all these in a convenient crotch of the tree, "'he dropped lightly to the ground within the palisade, "'armed only with his long knife. "'The sentry's back was toward him. "'Like a cat, Tarzan crept upon the dozing man. "'He was within two paces of him now. "'Another instant of the knife would slide silently into the fellow's heart. "'Tarzan crouched for a spring, "'for that is ever the quickest and surest attack of the jungle beast, "'when the man, warned by some subtle sense, "'sprang to his feet and faced the ape-man.' Tune in next week, Sunday night, for chapters 17 and 18 of The Return of Tarzan. If you enjoy our show, please do send a review for 1001 Stories for the Road. We appreciate reviews very much. Thank you. We'll return next Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Until then, everyone, stay safe, and we'll be back soon.